Have you ever wondered what it's like to work in law enforcement? From deputies on patrol, what it's like to work in corrections, dig into some cold case investigations and reveal the multitude of untold stories of how our officers give back to the community. All stories from your neighbors, the hardworking men and women who serve the citizens of York County. I can back 144 This is YCSO Behind the Badge, the official podcast of the York County Sheriff's Office. Welcome to Behind the Badge, the official podcast of the York County Sheriff's Office. I'm Trent Ferris, Public Information Officer for the York County Sheriff's Office and also your host. And before we move on, please go check us out on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. We're also on Nextdoor. So if your neighborhood is on Nextdoor, go sign up for that by putting in your address, and that's a way you can find out if your neighborhood is using Nextdoor. Also sign up today for Notify Me Alerts straight to your phone and email at yorkcountysheriff.com. It's a lot we ask you to do, but it's the most effective way to get all the right information to the right people. That's you, the citizens of York County, at exactly the right time so you can make right informed decisions. And on this edition of Behind the Badge, we're talking forensics and how TV dramas and Hollywood have made the job of the two gentlemen across the table from me and the other men and women who work in forensics makes their job harder. So, I welcome Stephen Moore back to the podcast. He was here a couple of weeks ago um, talking about the York County Sheriff's Office Honor Guard, and uh, that was back on Podcast 35. So if you want to go back and check that out, you can listen to that. And also we have the one and only Matt Piper, both forensics investigators, and we're with the York County Sheriff's Office multi-jurisdictional and. Uh, forensics unit is that what it's called yes that's what it's called uh, multi-jurisdictional forensic services unit that's am i right yes then uh, yes that is correct trent <laughs> we've got a couple of characters across the table so this might go a little sideways uh today uh you never know what's going to happen with the two people i have across but first let's talk about yourselves behind the badge and we start with you mr piper about uh yourself who you work for when you got in law enforcement, why you got in law enforcement, and so on and so forth. And move that microphone just a little bit. There you go. Go for it. All right. So in 2007, I started with York County Detention Center. Oh, uh, I did not know that. Several years there. Okay. Left, went to work for Department of Juvenile Justice, then left there to become animal control officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly after that, went to work for York PD, worked on patrol, uh, did traffic, then left to be a SRO, then left there and came here. So I'm currently employed at the York City Police Department on the multi-jurisdictional unit Man. as a criminal investigator doing forensics. See, I learned something new. This is the purpose of the podcast yes. is to learn about these kind of things, and I did not know that about you. So, good. So in 2007 until now. Till now. Oh, yes. good. Well, thank you. Thank and you Stephen Moore, if you... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your support. And then, Steve Moore, remind everybody who you are and the character that you are and, and what you do here at the Sheriff's Office and how long you've been here and so on and so forth. Well, Stephen Moore, of course, started with the Sheriff's Office in 2000 as a dispatcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, been in, I guess it was 2001, switched over to Uniform Patrol. Mm-hmm. Just been in Uniform Patrol uh, 15 and a half years. Recently, I guess it be five years this month. That I moved into the forensic services unit, so mm-hmm. just hit 21 years with law enforcement. So, 21 years, yeah. You're younger than I am, Better by a year. Yeah, you are. 
But I'm just saying, that's a, that's pretty impressive, you know, Steven getting close to that retiring age. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Pump the brakes, everybody. So tell us, why, I mean, why did you choose uh, forensic science as a career path after 15 years of working patrol, sir? For me, I guess it just came to a thing on patrol. I got to the point where I like working my own scenes, just trying to look for that that hidden piece of evidence that can make or break a case you mm-hmm. know usually you hope it makes the case for you as far as leading to who your subject is that was responsible for the incident it's just that little attention to detail that it requires and that extra little time and effort to put in for it and i guess folks don't know i mean if a deputy investigates a car break-in or something it's not always that y'all come out and dust for finger fingerprints or just road deputies do that now don't they is that yes that's east, how it works east road deputy has their own kit so much it's just got black powder which we use the same it's the same powder that we use to process things they have their own brushes and cards i mean they can do the same thing um you know we just do more of the bigger scenes mm-hmm. where it takes a lot more time to process and that extra little attention where they you know something quick and easy like b and e autos of course those are just really small not a lot to process there so those are more like door handles and everything yeah so Matt, why'd you get into forensics? Was it something that you always were interested in? Since you didn't, from everything under the sun, from detention center to juvenile justice and animal control. So was this something that you always thought about doing? It was something that I did not ever think about doing. Really? Um, once I left patrol, went to be a SRO, I fell in love with that. Really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Things were changing. Uh, this was a career opportunity to become available. I jumped on it and was elected for the position mm-hmm. and i love every second of it well good well good um so i guess what everybody thinks of when they come to you know when they think of what you guys do on a daily basis because i mean what is it that you do really you know i mean start from your day when you get in because you all work the di- different shifts you work day shift night shift that kind of thing what, what kind of hours do you work and what does your day usually consist of one of you one of you start here we go so <laughs> If you're on day shift, mm-hmm. which right now our current schedule, three officers are on days, mm-hmm. one officer is on nights. Mm-hmm. The three officers that are on days work uh, seven to three, mm-hmm. and officer that is on night shift works 12 to eight. Okay. Uh, after hours, once you get off at eight o'clock, you're on call till seven the next morning, mm. and you're responsible for anything after. So say if it's eight thirty, nine o'clock, one o'clock in the morning, you'll get called out. You're responsible for that call. Mm-hmm um does that happen often a lot it comes and goes okay yes yeah, a hit or miss um there are times you do have to call your secondary or your back out your backup out mm-hmm. uh to help you due to the scene being so big mm-hmm. or you need certain equipment that you don't have with you currently mm-hmm. so um pretty busy but you come in on day shift um if you have reports get caught up on reports if you ha- have anything to process as far as evidence, you'll process your evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll meet with detectives, uh, follow up on any cases that you have. So you all work pretty closely with CID and all the yes. detectives in there. Very, so, very close. How, yes. how does that work? Do they say, hey, we need, you know, versus, you know, they work a whole string of car break-ins and, you know, road deputies doing whatever. Do they usually say, hey, we need a little more a helping hand here with, you know, more skilled hands? Or They'll call like us that. for more, I guess, more advanced or something that takes a lot more time, mm-hmm. a lot more attention to detail, like Stephen was saying. Um, we'll come out, uh, work the big scenes, of course, mm-hmm. any major crime, any violent crime, we'll come out and work. 
Um, basically, they'll call us, email us, hey, we got this on a certain day, mm -hmm. or we need help doing this. We have a search warrant, or we have, you know, all this, all these items we need processed. Mm -hmm. And we'll go assist them. So what what consists of a process? You know, you, we talked about fingerprints. I mean, that's just one small little minute detail of what you do. I mean, what what is all in the process here? Is it, you know, from fingerprints to pictures and so on and so forth? Because, I mean, y'all all are skilled in photography. Because beforehand, Stephen was helping me out with my camera. We were having some issues. So, I mean, you're fairly skilled with a, a, a camera, correct? Yes. Well, our average scene, I guess you would say, we usually start off by, of course, we get a brief from whichever officer is there that's in charge. Um, and then we, most of us have a system in which we, we process things or how we start. Mm -hmm. uh, I always start off taking pictures, take my initial pictures just from way back, and then try to make my way into the scene, mm -hmm. taking more pictures as I approach. Or, um, it's say, like if it's a burglar, you try to identify where, what area whoever used to gain entry to the house if there's mm -hmm. anything laying around there you know looking for that piece of evidence that might be may have been dropped or left behind um process that entry point mm -hmm. like a door or a window or something door like or window that. yeah whatever the case may be um and then once you go into the house same thing again taking pictures 360 in each room trying to make sure you get everything documented then when you're going through and processing the scene uh you know taking those pictures still as any item of evidence where it's at in the room you try to do your three your long range medium range and your close-up of that item but usually with a scale depending on what the item is itself and uh just go through and identify any any item of evidence that needs to be documented and collected it just mm -hmm. depends on the type scene on what what those items are going to be do you usually just have a free range of doing that or is there a detective there say hey take a picture of that for me or do do this over here i mean it's twofold uh a lot of times they rely on us to go through initially mm -hmm. and do our documentation without them being insane and mm -hmm. then they'll come through behind us asking questions as far as what we've seen or what we think our process may be as far as you know what occurred and then they'll come in usually with us after that and if they see something specific that they want they'll ask us to process or collect or document that certain item for them because that's once we get done, they'll come in, like I said, they'll do kind of their own evaluation and search of the scene, and usually they might find something that, of course, helps them out in their case a lot more than what, you know, what we see. It's a second set of eyes is basically what it is. Like, hey, you know, I see this, you see that. Yes. That you miss set. something, they may see, see something. Or we do that to each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we'll follow up behind each other and make sure. Well, do y'all work together? I mean, do you go to scenes together, or is it just individually or both? Both. Both. And so what do you do, like, I mean, like, what, what constitutes a one-person scene versus a two-person scene? More like the a burglary versus a homicide. I mean, so you might have a burglary that is a single-story home, mm -hmm. uh, say approximately 1,500 square feet. You can process the home pretty much by yourself mm -hmm. versus a mansion mm -hmm. with a barn, yeah. with the carport, with a four-story carport four-story car garage um you know that's very time consuming so yeah. you will need a second set of hands if not a third because you don't want to miss anything is what it is no. it's like i mean you have to have you know, always follow up and confirm go yeah. behind each other make sure double check yeah you didn't miss anything so it's a lot that goes into it yes i mean and so getting to what we were talking about today is you know when people watch shows like ncis or csi whatever miami new york las vegas 
L.A., however many CSI shows there are now. I guess people always think that that's, I mean, that's what it is. And they have all these tools and tricks and lasers and holograms and everything. Hey, this is, I'm going to put this machine in the middle of the room and that's going to show me everything I need to know. What, how has Hollywood and television kind of hurt you guys as far as what you do is, you know, the myths, debunk some of the myths is what I'm trying to get to. I guess the biggest thing I have to say is most people think we're going to get results right then. Mm. Um, Because, you know, of course, in your TV episodes, you're getting those results within an hour. Mm -hmm. Eh, that's not the case. We might be out on scene for an hour. Mm -hmm. Actually, most, I had to say most burglary scenes on average is probably at least a two hours from the time I get there. Yeah. Just working, you know. But then you try to, you know, you got to come back, get all your evidence, either one processed yourself, um, those type of things, documented, processed, developed. Mm -hmm. Uh, fingerprints, you know, trying to see if they are good enough for somebody mm-hmm. to have them and put those into APHIS. You may get results back, you may not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's times where we lift prints, but they may not ever come back with a match, or it might take a couple of days before it does come back with yeah. something. So, and explain what APHIS is. It's the fingerprint thing. Oh Lord. The 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 Cliff's Notes version of it, I guess, is the best way. I guess you know, it's a machine that you put the you scan a, a fingerprint. You get a fingerprint yes. from a scene, and then what do you do with it from there? A thumbprint or a fingerprint. All right, so you collect you collect the uh, the latent print is yeah. the correct terminology. Latent print. L- latent print. Kids. Latent print. Uh, you enter into the APHIS system, which is the automated uh, fingerprint. fingerprint identification system. Yeah. There you go. Um, as long as there's a latent print that belongs to someone and we can compare it to that or okay. it'll come back to the match. Okay. So that's a national database. Mm-hmm. It'll basically give us a print back either on the state level or federal level. Okay. So national level. And then the examiner, mm-hmm. the latent print examiner, will pull that print, confirm it, look at it, make sure that's the right one, and then there will be a second person to confirm it. Mm. So let's just say, for instance, Stephen... Gets a re- recovers a latent print, mm-hmm. enters it to the system, then says, "All right, this is my guy. Mm-hmm. This is or this is my girl, whoever. Yeah. This is my suspect." Then you have to visually examine it. The computer does does most of the work. Yeah. But then you also have to have a human, a person, set of eyes visually examine that latent print. Okay. And confirm. So if he he gets a print, gets a positive match, then we'll confirm it for him. So I guess when you watch it on television, they got this big screen in front of them, <clears throat> and that's going through. It's got the fingerprint you're looking for in one side of the screen, and then uh, it's going through this, you know, multitude of different. Is that what it looks like? Is it no. like nowhere near? Nothing like nowhere near. It's not two screens where one's going through like every fingerprint in America. No. So you'll find identifying characteristics in the latent print. Yeah. You'll mark those. And you will ask the machine to give you back a certain set of latents that are close to it. So whether it's 5, 10, 15, 20. Um, once those come back, you'll examine each latent print. That's what got to go. We've watched one like one of these shows, like NCIS. It's one person that does it all, apparently, from fingerprints <laughs> to DNA to firearms to all the other science that goes behind it. One person. And it's usually a team of you guys doing right. doing this. I mean, it's not just one person that can is skilled a, in it all. Right. It is a group effort. It takes all of us to uh, solve a crime or produce results. So, um, so the 
you're sitting there and you're in front of the machine and something comes back and you still have to have a second set of eyes to look over it. Yes. Like you, you're, you put the print or whatever in the machine and the second set of eyes. So I guess let's go into the next thing. It was like, you know, I, we, we had the DNA folks on here a couple of, uh, actually one of the first podcasts. So if you want to go check that out, uh, you can, but say you, you do that too. You swab for somebody broke into a house and touched a doorknob. You go out there and do that stuff, Correct. but you don't do the DNA testing. No, we only collect the samples. Samples, right. Um, Somebody else does all that. Right. We will collect it. We'll collect it and turn it in to be tested. Okay. That's correct. But that's one of the myths out there is like you are also, once you get that swab or whatever, you go into the office and you start testing the DNA because the person on TV does it. No. No. That's not how it works. (laughs) Because, I mean, there's different skill sets, I guess, is what I'm trying to get to. And, I mean, you have the... We have the drug chemists. We have the DNA biological forensic science lab. Was that you know, it's downstairs? And but you all downstairs here at the sheriff's office is pretty much a forensics lab. Almost everything because you have evidence downstairs. You have you guys, your office forensics. You have um, the DNA lab and so on and so forth. Even a firearms laboratory. So mm-hmm. you go in there and you you collect a a shell casing from a, a shooting scene of some sort. You collect that. And then Correct. what do you do? You give it to Buddy, Buddy Brown, who is in a forensic firearm laboratory, or do you check it for fingerprints and that stuff too? We'll photograph it, mm-hmm. um, scale it, yeah, photograph. Uh, then we will turn the firearm over, either straight to him or submit it back to evidence. He will sign it out, do test fires, mm-hmm. and then those casings mm-hmm. and projectiles, those will then be taken to SLED mm-hmm. for final testing. Okay. Like I said, I'm just trying to get clear it up here. It's like it's not just one person like you see on TV no, doing all the work. Just for one case, if just dealing with one firearm, it could be three or four people involved very easily. So how's that hurt, you know, when all that's said and done? Is it hurt, you know, as far as, you know, like, hey, you go to a court and the jury sits there and goes, hey, on TV it said that they solved this in an hour. How's that? Has that affected things for you guys as far as, you know, when you go to, I mean, not necessarily get into it, but I mean, how's that hurt? I mean, is, do juries get tainted somewhat because they see on TV that they solve a case with forensics in an hour and then with one person? So as far as court, mm-hmm. we haven't really been in court lately oh, wow. uh, due to COVID. On a normal year. <laughs> <laughs> due, okay, so due to COVID, most of these cases, you know, do take plea deals. Yeah. Um. So... It is rare for us to make it to the courtroom. Okay. But we are still placed on standby for court. Mm-hmm. But I know I've had several incidents where you respond to a resident, mm-hmm. and the people are standing there watching. You know, the victim was like, hey, I know there's a fingerprint on, on the bed sheet. I know there's a fingerprint on the curtain. I know there's a fingerprint on the ceiling. That's not hey, how it works. That's not how it works. We know we you can get DNA from that item. Yeah. Okay, so we, we do the best we can with what we got right um yes we do have to think outside the box yeah um sometimes we have to think like the criminal to catch them yeah so if i was in his shoes how would i break in this house Mm -hmm. how would i steal this item how would how would i go about it how would i touch what would i touch if i was was in this situation or if i was sitting here in this spot what tool would i use to break a window how would i do it yeah so that's good you can learn lean on that and is there a bunch of training that goes into that? Do you go to training for 
you know, learning how to think like a criminal? Because, I mean, you work in law enforcement. You're not criminals, you know. So, I mean, what is there – like, what do you go through for training to become a forensics person, to think like a, a criminal, to well, do what you like do? Criminal, I mean, that's just pretty much – I mean, you learn it through your time on, on the job. Yeah. You know, through working in police work. Now, as far as for forensics itself, you know, I mean, most I've learned a lot in house mm-hmm. here through, you know, of course through uh, Investigator Weeks. I couldn't think of what George. I to call him. George is your boss. <laughs> George Weeks is your boss. Uncle he's, George. And he is Director he is Weeks. Director um, Weeks. Yeah, and he is. Because he's been in the profession, Lord, I'd hate to even know. Forty-three years. Forty-three. Is that how long it is? So as long as I've he been knows alive. what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> but then I have been to several classes. I mean, of course photography is one of our big things yeah been through photography classes um basic crime scene investigation through latent processing classes um fingerprint comparison there's i mean there's it's a lot yeah there's a lot construction you just can't just come i guess what people think is you know we have every year we always have that kid in you know high school or middle school who said this is what i want to do and i guess there are some ways you could do that you could go from graduating college into a forensics lab. But as far as what you guys do, it takes years of experience to learn what you do. And there's also college courses out there. Cause when I mean, we get people that all the time, well, that's what I went to college for. I mean, uh-huh. there's colleges that do offer some type of forensic science course. Um, of course it's not required in every agency like with us, but then, you know, we're also certified police officers, which a yeah. lot of some areas are some agencies that their officers or their, their crime scene folks are just civilian employees. Right. Uh, I think right. CMPD, CMPD has a group that they're officers that. Right. So they were officers or not officers? They're they're not, they're they're just, they are not. not. They so are that's so. a lot of the agencies in North. That's a lot of the agencies in North Carolina. Okay. Is they have their police personnel or law enforcement sworn personnel, yep. and then they have. Um, lab techs or crime scene techs. Okay, and they actually go out. They're they're hired as a private civilian. Okay, employed by the department, and they'll actually go out, do the photography, collect the items, process the items. So That's that would a, be the difference between a smaller agency like us and say, CMPD in Charlotte. So, I mean, as far as having it's the difference as far as size and also states. Every state is different. Oh, okay. So what about the larger agency in South Carolina? Have you done? anything you know the, they usually have sworn officers or just civilian personnel or that both? would be the same i believe across the board for the state of south carolina okay you're so employed as as i know everybody yeah. that i've talked to from agencies in the state they're all certified officers right? okay but, okay you know that, not saying there's not any but there could be that's state to state it's just different right so what what are some of the differences between you know you were saying it beforehand there are some big differences between what larger agencies have versus you and one of those is people correct <laughs> manpower 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 yes, manpower probably some of the equipment things that are there they probably have something that's a little bit more technical than some of the things we have but of course if one of those things if we need it mm-hmm. you you got agencies that you call on for certain equipment certain things i mean most agencies around are going to provide you or assist you in what you need so. a hologram table where it shows you the crime scene on the table now if you get that you let me know where you found it <laughs> <laughs> it's i've seen it i've seen it on tv it's got to be true it's got to be true where you just sit there and it's like hey we took pictures of the crime scene and then they put the crime scene on on a holographic table he's going tony spark yes yep. exactly and then stark, stark you, excuse me spark, spark. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you, you don't have that thing where you can touch touch this hologram and move things around like you. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not the way it is. But well, good, good. Well, I mean, that's that was the purpose here today. It was trying to debunk some of the myths because there's a lot of myths out there about what forensic science is and what you guys do, and they think you can solve it in less than an hour just because it's on tv it's not necessarily it's true so and i appreciate you guys coming by to do this and hopefully folks have learned a little bit though so. um but the next part of this podcast is my favorite it's a new thing since the last time you've been in here steven for a podcast and it's called rapid fire questions Pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> the rapid fire questions get to learn a little bit more about the person behind the badge and that is you guys so um first question for both of you is if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Don't think too long. Mine would be seeing to the future. I had to say, I like that one. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to piggyback off that one. Okay, now I'll play along. I would have, I would have Jedi powers like Star Wars. I'd be a Jedi. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a superpower. Strong but. with this one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question is: Do you have any interest, interesting hobbies? Running is about my only thing I really do, I guess, for myself. Running, and you do run. And it's mm-hmm. about Stephen Moore is he he runs, and you're a running fool. I mean, because you, I mean, you the Mike Doty Memorial Race. You won your age group and almost won the whole thing. You came in like eighth, didn't you? I was nowhere close to winning on, that whole man. thing. That lady, that one, that one lady, she she was like, wow. Five, five and a half minute I, miles. Yeah, 550, I think, was her overall pace. And I was thinking at 739. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, that's, not, <laughs> that's not slow. So, Matt, what do, you, what, what do you have any interesting hobbies? So, prior to this job, which this field of forensics takes a lot of my time. Oh, sure. So, prior to this, I was a banjo player. Oh. Uh. Picked a little, so a little, just a little. No, nah. yeah, yeah get rusty it. over the over the years. But that takes skill because you got. It takes work. skill. I don't know. Five, fa- move your five fingers, five finger picking. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So, both both question for both of you is what was your first job then? Since you did, did was it banjo picking? No, I worked uh, on a farm, cattle farm. Oh, okay. As what age was that? Uh, about twelve. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, I drove tractors and cut hay, belt hay. Awesome. Mr. Fence work. My first paid job Mm -hmm. was retail sales at Sears. Selling lawnmowers? Nope. I was in the the men's section and the clothing section. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, next question. What's your favorite food? You have a favorite food? I'd say meatloaf. Meatloaf? It could be anything. Cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers. Yes. Yes. I could eat three a day. All right. What's your favorite sports team? Don't have one. Clemson Tigers. Don't have one. That's right. Yeah, how can yeah. you not have a favorite sport? Don't have time, Phil. Just don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, everybody's got a favorite sports team. It could be Manchester United soccer team. Go Cougars. Oh, okay. York. There, there you go. go. There you go. York York Cougars. You got it. Got it. All right. Um, what would you prefer, the beach or the mountains? Beach. Beach. South Carolina. Guy. All day. <laughs> so, I guess that will go into the what would you prefer more, the summer or winter time? Summer, spring. That, no, that wasn't the question. Because <laughs> you know, in South Carolina, we don't really have a spring. We have you know summer that turns into South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. winter that turns into summer automatic. So, so spring. I'll take spring. I'll take spring. Jeez. Keep you on your toes. All right. Do you have a personal motto, Stephen Moore? It is what it is. It is what it is. Can't change it. Can't change it. 
Do you have a personal motto? Go big or go home. <laughs> and last question for both of you. If you had a time machine, what day and or year would you travel to? I would go to the 40s. I love the 40s. Like World War II time. Yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. Captain America. Like I said, go big or go home. All right, Steve Moore. I'd say probably back in the 90s when I was about to finish up high school and maybe change or a couple things maybe here or there just to be better for myself. Well, there you go. Tell yourself to do something different. Yes. You're a great motivational speaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard well, that good. a couple times lately. Well, good, guys. I appreciate you coming by because that's just a little fun to learn a little bit more about you and behind the badge and all that stuff. So, But we do want to thank you for coming by and you know talking about dispelling some of the myths of forensics and law enforcement forensics and how you can't really solve a crime in less than an hour like on television and you don't have the 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 table of the 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 tony stark looking graphics high you know that come out and whatever so it's just one of those things we just want to let everybody know it takes a lot of work and a lot of teamwork to get this done and we have a group great group of people downstairs and they work for the sheriff's office to get these things done. So, all right, folks. Well, thank you. Uh, before we go, check us out on our social media pages. Also, sign up for Notify Me Alert straight to your phone and email at yorkcountysheriff.com so we can effectively get all the right information to the right people. That's you at exactly the right time so you can make right and informed decision decisions. And lastly, please go tell your friends and family to listen to the podcast. We can always use the listeners out there. And if you want to tell them, hey, learn something new about forensics today. Television's fake. You should watch, listen to the podcast, and it'll tell you everything you need to know about forensics. Lastly, thanks for listening to YCSO Behind the Badge.